today on CityCast Chicago. October basically came and went, my friends. But before we skip ahead to November, let's look back on the last week in the go. It's Friday, October 29th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Today, I am so grateful to have the host of Nerdette, Greta Johnson, and WTTW reporter and correspondent, Amanda Venicky. Y'all, thank y'all for joining me on CityCast Chicago. Oh my gosh, thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Here at CityCast, one of the things that I've learned is no matter how long you've been in Chicago, what side of the city you grew up in, every single one of us whether we're from here or moved here later in life, there is something we want to know more about the city that we too embarrassed to ask people about. Is there something you've wanted to know about Chicago that you have been too embarrassed to ask people to explain to you? Hmm. It takes a lot for me to be embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless Vinicky. I love it. Yeah. But here's my gripe, and I would love if somebody has a good answer. I am just born one of these unfortunate individuals who is born without any sense of direction. Like, I'm just bad <laughs> at getting around. It doesn't matter how long I've lived in the place. I know Chicago's a grid. Yay. I just get lost very easily. My gripe slash question is on many of the intersections where you've got the diagonal streets, Mm-hmm. I feel like they're so poorly labeled. You don't know what street is what. So does anybody have, uh, I, I don't know, a lesson in how to figure that out? It's really confusing. So there, that's my question slash complaint. My tip is to pray, right? It doesn't matter if you own <laughs> 79th and South Shore, if you off Milwaukee and Wicker Park, or if you buy the Six Corners, like, them shits is scary. Yeah. That shit is scary. I've been in a couple accidents at those type of intersections, oh, no. and mm-hmm. they're not fun, because the direction mm-hmm. you're driving in, the minute somebody else smacks you, I don't even know what direction I'm facing in at the end of it. Ugh. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. glad I'm okay too. And uh, the prayer didn't work that time, but I still got to drop out a couple. <laughs> well, of... I don't know though. You got saved, right? Like you didn't die, so maybe the you, prayer you, didn't you're work. You're right. You're right. Your perspective. <laughs> I have shitty perspective. <laughs> Greta, damn. <laughs> Is there a question uh, or something that you wanted to know about? One of the things I was most so I moved to Chicago from Fairbanks, Alaska, almost exactly ten years ago, and. One thing that I was like super impressed by that really struck me that I still think about is the fact that so many of the especially like L train line stops are outside. Like, I just think that's super badass, you know, and like coming from a place where it is regularly 40 degrees below zero to come here and see these stops and just people stay, you know, and like, yeah, I get that there's the heat lamps, but like still, man, like people here are just, like, hearty as fuck, and I have so much respect for that. Yeah, the level of bravery, level of bravery you got to have to to be standing out on that that 51st Street Green Line platform with the... with the When your lip... It's like if you you let your lip go without three seconds of a a little... Little saliva, that boy is cracking yep. wide open. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So so as we move into we move from spooky season into cold as hell season. Yeah, winter is coming. A, a, yeah. Good luck. Well, the the best part of these Friday shows is we get to look back on some Chicago stories. Uh, Amanda, I'm gonna kick it to you. What's a story that you've really been focused on this week? 
I am coming to you not from Chicago. I am in our fine state capital of Springfield, Illinois right now. And so that has been my focus this week, all about a little bit COVID, also abortion and now the new congressional maps. And so that's going on as we speak. Anything new come out this week? Yeah. So um, the Democrats put forward a new map for congressional districts that all of the folks who want to run to go to D.C. as members uh, of the U.S. House will have to run in, in Illinois. But this new map creates two districts where there's really a focus on Latino voters having a say in who gets sent. And so an effort really to draw Latino voters into the same district. But nonetheless, some Latino uh, members of the Illinois House are saying, no, we we don't like that. They're afraid that it doesn't quite build up the strength in either of the districts and that it splits too many communities. That new map, as we expect it, is going to pit some incumbent Republicans together, but some some new uh, congressional Dems are going to have to potentially face off if this map goes through as well. So I'm really interested to see how that process goes. Greta, was there a story that you were paying attention to this week that had a lot of your attention? I guess I could have answered the same way in over the last 20 months or whatever, but I've been following COVID really closely, obviously, like a lot of us have. And I'm like actually kind of cautiously optimistic after this week, which is kind of exciting. I mean, I'll take it, you know, right? Like Allison Arwady, who's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, said that the country is definitely improving. It seems like masking is helping a lot. In terms of community spread, Illinois is actually doing the best in the Midwest and Chicago's rates are even better than that. But I don't know. I mean, I think these are all metrics that indicate that, like, you know, yes, winter is coming. But if we keep masking and people who aren't vaccinated should get vaccinated, it seems like we might actually get through this thing. I think also, you know, the fact that kids are going to be able to get vaccinated really soon. The Pfizer vaccine has been approved. So, like, you know, these are all pretty good signs. I have friends who have kids who are five years old, oh eight God. years old, nine years. And, I, yeah. and I've watched how excited they are as this news uh, uh, unfolds. And, yeah, I'm, I try to stay, like, cautious with my right. optimism, as you stated, because we've had this ebb and flow, not only around the country, but especially in Chicago. The minute things get better, we try to open things up. Um, so I actually was happy, I think, last week when Dr. Arwoody said we're going to keep the mask mandate through. Yeah at least the end of Thanksgiving. And so I like that we are kind of holding strong to uh, everything from mask mandates and vaccine mandates. I know people have questions, people have concerns, people are getting more and more anxious by the day. Uh, but my hope is that these in, these improved numbers show us that these measures, uh, while they can be annoying at times, they work. Before we move on to the underrated, one more story that I wanted to uh, to talk about was the ongoing like reveal of information out of what's happening with the Blackhawks mm, and yeah. their cover up of sexual abuse allegations dating back over a decade. This week, the the GM, Stan Bowman, who was there for those three Stanley Cup titles, who was there uh, when these allegations originally surfaced. He was actually in the room when people were being informed about these allegations. He stepped down and, and the team was fine in part on what came out around this independent investigation. But also this week, the former Blackhawks player who was known as John Doe, Kyle Beach, came out and told his story. And he talked about 
how he felt with the Blackhawks executives mishandling this entire case, not choosing to go to the police. And you really saw in that conversation how much this weighs on the victims of sexual abuse. And it fucking sucks every time these stories come out and they just reveal how long people have been in power, have been protected, how much effort was put into sweeping things under the rug. All the people taking pictures and getting rings and celebrating championships, they were in the rooms listening to these allegations. And so it's another reminder that when we see these things, not only should we call them out, but we have to step up and take action. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, it's exhausting. It's frustrating. I think, too, it's such a mindfuck to think about the fact that, like, what really seems newsworthy in this instance isn't actually the misconduct, is the abuse. It's the fact that someone lost his job because of it, you know? Yeah, a person being fired or being fined doesn't doesn't uh, root out a culture of abuse. No. It says this is a bad apple. Let's put it on them and keep moving forward. Although I guess there's also, I think, a, a broader reckoning. Um, it, it doesn't just getting rid of one bad apple, but, but it, I think it is blooming into more than that. But it seems like the hockey world at large is focusing on this and on behavior and cultures. And I think there is that conversation going on about executives, about you know team captains and players, about locker room culture. And you think about the courage that it took for Kyle Beach to come forward, to have filed a suit in the first place and how had others at the time showed anywhere near a smidgen of that level of courage, it would have saved him. It would have saved others from abuse. That is of course, one of these, these big lessons that we're having in all sorts of arenas, something is wrong, do something about it. If you get word of it, take action. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Amanda, I'm going to stick with you. Is there a story that was that flew under the radar this week for you? I have been so focused on Springfield, and I think there's there's a lot that it doesn't quite get the level of attention um, that it might need. So, for example, um, one of the measures that's likely to be coming law would put an immediate moratorium on CPS school closures versus waiting for a couple of years. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's really just that at this point, that's part of the um, elected school board bill. Chicago will still have a 21 member elected school board. So the state sticking with that. So that would have put a moratorium on school closures in place in a couple of years, like come mid 2022. And instead, that's going to be taking effect sooner than later. So that's a, a big change for CPS, particularly as it has this you know new CEO who might have been eyeing trying to get some closures or changes in before the elected school board comes to pass. Yeah, given declining enrollment, which we we learned about this week, I believe CPS has lost potentially 25,000 NEST students since the start of the pandemic. Closing schools becomes one of those easy things to reach for from officials, but we've seen in our city how school closures impact communities. We're still dealing with the consequences of sort of closing CPS schools in neighborhoods for, for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I think very good point in terms of declining enrollment. And we see those numbers. And that, of course, is another conversation. I do think that people are aware of it. But why is that? The COVID concerns, lack of trust in officials. Uh, what does that mean And when you look at violence and down the road when you have children not attending school, uh, when you have people moving out of the city and what that means. I don't know that there were any plans by Pedro Martinez, you know, to immediately close the school, but 
certainly it is a conversation that, as you noted, administrators would look at and go to when you don't have a lot of students attending said school. But uh, the role of schools in general, and I think throughout the pandemic, we've really seen how they've had to step up as places to to feed families. To administer vaccines. Exactly. And testing. Exactly. And it's both a wonderful thing that makes schools the beating heart of a neighborhood. And at the same time, that's also a lot to put on schools and teachers. One of the things that's important for me is to make sure that people go into the weekend. And now since we at the end of October, go into November with a little bit of good news. So <laughs> some good news to get the people through the weekend. Wow, you want red Boy, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it every it's amazing. single day. Amazing. You got to get it yourself a Jacoby Jingle. Yes. <laughs> a little ringtone. Hey, I'm trying. I'm trying. Vinicky, you got some, some good news or a moment of joy for the people? This is going to be kind of geeky, but I, as I noted, am in Springfield and really it is frustrating. It is maddening to cover some of this. There are true shenanigans speaking of this congressional map you know like it drops at 11 30 p.m and then you get frustrated people who are trying to weigh in and like put a lot of time energy and effort who are volunteers and grassroots folks who want to be part of it and you know you have a committee meeting this morning supposed to start at nine doesn't start until 10 is this joy or despair, I, was like, I believe Amanda. there's some joy <laughs> hidden in here the joy is that people still do it. I mean, it is really incredible. Mm. You have people that care enough about their communities that they are navigating another difficult to understand system and all of its frustrations and warts and still give enough of a darn to do it. That's beautiful. I I appreciate you mentioning that because I'm a cynical bastard. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so seeing people do that work uh, every single day is uh, it definitely brings me joy. Hmm. Greta, when I reached out to you uh, to see if you were, were free this week, <laughs> you let me know that there was there was some joy getting you through the Chicago news cycle. Greta, what was your some good news for the people this week? Yeah, I mean, I do have something that's slightly deeper if you want to go there. But I mean, my initial reaction was just like Sunday nights on HBO. I feel like between (laughs) Succession and Insecure, it's just so good. Like Succession, you know, this third season is very long awaited. It just came back a couple weeks ago. Story of a billionaire media family shitting on each other for power. Worst white people, just terrible (laughs) people. But then Insecure just premiered last week. This is the final season of that show. I don't know if you watch it, but like, yeah, like the show is so beautiful. It's lush. It's funny. Like, it's just such a pleasure. You guys have just given me license to become a couch potato on Sundays, and I'm not yeah, mad about it. For sure. Either. And I oh, am Amanda. I know. I you are in for I, such a treat. I gotta. I gotta. My moment of joy this week. And it's something, again, that I'm being optimistic around. But these baby bulls, these Chicago (laughs) bulls got your boy excited. And so I need to name drop a bunch of people. Okay, go, go. One, Alex Caruso, league leader in steals. That boy is crazy. The Caruso is here. Lonzo Ball, they've been trying to write this man off. But watching him come into his own as a basketball player is beautiful. Zach Levine, this man has played losing basketball his entire career. To watch him step into his own as an all-star, 
beautiful, fantastic. And then DeMar DeRozan, a veteran who, for the majority of his career, got what we call the LeBronto treatment. Basically get whooped on by LeBron James his whole time in Toronto to go to San Antonio, be underappreciated, to come to the Bulls and show he still has something in the tank. It's just been really good to watch them. Uh, at the time of recording this, they were 4-0. My hope is by the time this dropped, they're 5-0 for beating up on the Knicks. As as a Chicago Bulls fan who was not very conscious when, when Mike was killing it, I still remember the last uh, Bulls championship. I remember being a kid watching it happen. But to hear things like first 4-0 start since 96, 97, even mm. though it means not a damn thing, and it could all be bullshit by the time like the time the season is over, I'm going to take these couple of weeks. And if my brother is listening, who's been talking cap all week about he doesn't believe, he doesn't care, he's not allowing himself to feel anything, you know what? You can keep that dissociative behavior to yourself. I'm going to allow myself to feel this joy for as long as as I possibly can. So shout out to the Chicago Bulls for looking like a real NBA team. Oh my God, Jacoby, I give no fucks about sports, but like you made, like you, like my heart swelled. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, this team is is a little exciting. They, they they get up and down the court. They they do their thing. They, uh, what, what is the the player um, big an announcer part of the beginning like? I mean, that was my favorite as a kid. Bulls Nation, you know what time it is. Run with us. Let's get this started. It's time to rise. You like the the Titan Tron with the Bulls running through yeah. downtown? Yeah. Yeah. Do we, do, is that cool this year? Because I feel like a good team is deserving of something that gets my heart stirring. It never goes anywhere. I believe they still play that Bulls really? team. They might have updated the graphics a little bit, but they still play the Bulls running through downtown into the UC uh, with that classic theme music. For your Chicago Bulls! And forward. Something just says it's for a reason, so good. I'm actually okay yeah. with that. That's the starting lineup for your but I appreciate both of y'all being here on CityCast Chicago uh, to shoot the shit with your boy. Amanda Vinicky is our Springfield correspondent uh, for WTTW, and Greta Johnson is the fantastic host for Nerdette. I will be on Nerdette next week. Uh, and so if you have not listened, get hip, get game. <laughs> get nerdy. Because <laughs> I'm going to be there. So Greta, Amanda, thank y'all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Y'all really are the best. Now, if you thought about something that you've always wanted to know about Chicago and you've either been too scared or too embarrassed to ask, send us an email, chicago at citycast.fm or tweet us at citycastchicago. We'll try to get it answered for you. Before I let you go, I wanted to show some love to our amazing CityCast producer, Natalie Rivera out in Los Angeles. Natalie is spreading her producer wings and helping nurture our growing CityCast family. So she won't be stopping by Chicago quite as much. So we want to talk about some of our favorite episodes produced by Natalie thus far. Lead producer Carrie Shepard. I'm really proud of the episode Natalie did about ShotSpotter. Natalie's dogged reporting revealed that the city had renewed their contract with the company. And we were the first to report that. Great job, Natalie. Producer Simone Alisea. I really like the story that Natalie produced on how businesses are using TikTok 
At least partly because I got to go eat at Wake and Bacon in Lakeview. Producer Natalie Rivera, what's one of your personal faves? One of my favorite stories that I've produced for CityCast Chicago would have to be the UFO story. Uh, it was so great that I got the support from my team to work on that. And also Jacoby just, he, he did so well in that interview. He was amazing. Newsletter writer Sydney Madden. My favorite episode was the Korean vegan. It made me happy. It made me hungry. It made me miss my grandma. Just a roller coaster of emotions in 15 minutes. Me, I gotta say the rodeo in South Shore. I didn't realize it was there my entire life, and it's one of the coolest things I've been to all year. I want to give a thank you to Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop for all of our amazing music. I appreciate y'all joining us another episode. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. Oh, that was I had I was picked between two moments of joy and I let my brain pick one. Another one was Mick Jenkins, but I'll save that one for next week.